God bless you as you give. So I've been waiting a lo- just a long time to tell you what I'm about to tell you. And some of you, you clued in a little bit last week. I told you to go look at Revelation chapter 21 and verse 5. Did any of you do that? Look at Revelation 21 verse 5. What's a revelation? Well, one day I'll do a thing on Revelation, okay? Um, so Revelation chapter 21 and verse 5, and you see the kind of culmination of everything that, that, that's happened, you know, in the entire Bible, and it's the ultimate statement of redemption, you know, and you have, you have Jesus talking, and you have uh, uh, this promise um, of a new heaven and a new earth, and things change, and, you know, the old heaven and the old earth passed away, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth and the new city of Jerusalem, and now the dwelling of God is with man, and he will be with them, and they will call upon him, and, and there will be no more death or crying or mourning or pain, and the old order of things has passed away And he who was seated on the throne said, and this is Jesus, I am making everything new, or I make all things new. Uh, Write this down. The the speaker says there, these words are trustworthy and true. It's the ultimate statement of redemption. You know, it's just so powerful. And so I want to talk to you about uh, something that's going to come uh, in the, the life of this church for a few moments before we get into the message today, just borrowing on this theme of all things new. Uh, we have been at this for 20 months. goes by fast. How many of you have been with us right from the beginning? Yeah, I mean, I know who you are. Uh, you know, you trained in my house, and we, we, we learned about church planting in this theater for months on end before we launched, you know, and we've launched the thing, and we pulled it off, and 20 months later, you know, we're still here, and that's good. That's really good, and, and we have this reason for existing, right, to reach the one who is far from God, so we, we use a little catchphrase around here, reach the one, uh, that together we would become passionate followers of Jesus, um, and you need to know that, like, I take that very, very seriously, and I will do anything as your, as your pastor to see that we start doing what we say we're about. Um, and in the life of a church, you know, there are, it's like a book. Uh, there are pages that turn. Sometimes the pages turn by themselves, and there are things that happen. You know, people come, people go. Pastors come, pastors go. Don't worry, I'm not going. Okay, that's not the announcement. But there are pages that turn. And those of you who have been in the church for any length of time, you, you, you realize that there are pages that turn. Um, and sometimes they just turn, and sometimes, you know, God turns them, even though people don't want them to turn. Um, and sometimes God tells people, you need to turn the page, and you, you need to move forward, and you need to do something to, so, that, so that the church can be all that I've called it to be. Um, and this is one of those moments where we're going to turn a page. We're making a very deliberate uh, decision to turn a page and make all things new. But you need to know before I get into the scoop here that this is so that we can do what God has called us to do, uh, to reach the one who is far from God, i.e. the 99% of people in this province, uh, that together we would become passionate followers of Jesus. That's discipleship. That's 
And you know you're a disciple when you're actually making a disciple, right? And not many Christians do that these days. So it's a lot of work. Uh, and sometimes you have to turn pages to see that that's accomplished, all right? So I'm going to give you four things that are to come, four new things. And don't worry, I will talk about these things in the weeks ahead because these are big things. You're going to probably be, wow, that's that's big. I, I'm, you know, really praying that you're that you'll be excited about this and that you'll you'll come along with us on this journey uh, that we're on together. So here are the four things. I'm going to go through them uh, one at a time. So if you have an electronic drum roll, you know this would be appropriate. No, I'm just kidding. So the first thing that we're going to do, you can go ahead and put it on the screen, Justin. So starting the 22nd of July, we will meet on a new day. So we will shift the day to Sunday mornings from Saturday mornings. All right. Are you excited about that? Okay. Well, <laughs> now here, here's the reason why. Here's the reason why. See, I'm a, I'm a learner. I'm a student uh, of people, and I ask lots of questions, and I'm a slow learner, but when I learn something, I learn it. Um, and, and here's what happens when I ask people to come to the church that I pastor. They say, great, when, when does it meet? I said, well, Saturday mornings at the movie theater. They say, and they, it's either one of two reactions. Oh, Saturday mornings, or oh, Saturday mornings. Right? Have you ever run into that before? Have you ever invited anybody and that's the reaction that you got? Last night we were talking to, to our youth and one of the young people had enough guts to say, you know, when they ask someone to come to the church and it's Wednesday it be? Well, Saturday mornings. And, the, and the, the, the youth, I won't mention his name, but he said, yeah, well, that's one of our kinks. <laughs> we meet on, on Saturday morning and say, well, whatever. If it's a kink, then that's fine. Whatever works for you, you know? But you always get that reaction. Oh, oh. And if it's, oh, it's, well, what are you, Seventh-day Adventist? Or don't most churches meet on Sunday? Like, how come you're different? Or, or it's, oh, I really want to come, but it's Saturday morning. Like, it's, wow, that's unusual. Um, and we're, it's highly unusual to dare to do church on Saturday mornings. We've dared to do it, and we've come this far. But I believe that we can reach more people. I believe that we will be more accessible and that it will be one less excuse for people when you tell them about your church. They're not going to look at you like you're strange when you say you meet on Saturday mornings. Now, uh, so that's a change. And so we're doing this effective the 22nd of July. So that gives you time to adjust your life and adjust your schedule uh, to shift to Sunday mornings. I believe we'll see more visitors. I believe we'll see just less roadblocks. Some of you, I've talked to you, and you can make it, you can make it like half the time to, to our church. It's because there's all this, you know, you're busy and, you know, there's activities and all these kinds of things that take place a lot of times on Saturdays or Saturday mornings. So we're going to switch uh, starting the, the, the 22nd of July. It is a new, new day. That's number one. Number two, and you can have a little drum roll, please, for this one, right? So starting the 9th of September... So the weekend after Labor Day, 
we will be in a new location. So, oh, wow, that one got more. Oh, okay. Fascinating, fascinating. So, so we'll be in a new location, effective the first weekend after Labor Day. Uh, and I'm not going to tell you just yet because this has come together like I'm telling you within the last few days. Uh, I've been signing things, you know, and making commitments about money and all this kind of stuff. But uh, I, will, I will present it to you properly, you know, with video and show you where it is. It's very, very different than a movie theater. Uh, it's very, very bright Lots of natural light in there, and it's just so, so different. It's going to meet the needs of our kids' ministry in, I think, more effective ways. Um, you know, we won't be turning on flashlights to look for where we plug the wire because there'll be a little bit more light. Uh, but it's, it's a really, really super nice place. And yes, you will have your coffee and your tea. Okay, so just letting you know of that. So that will be the 9th of September. Don't worry. I will show you. I'll show it off to you, and you will, you will see it. You'll know where do I park? What about this? What about that? You'll, it'll all be explained to you. But again, it's come together so, so quickly that I want to do it right. So I'm just telling you, effective the 9th of September, we are moving. Uh, we'll probably come back here once in a while on Saturday mornings for big events because this is a great place to run a big event in. Uh, we'll be doing our back-to-school bash here on the 11th of August, which is a Saturday. Uh, even though we'll be meeting Sundays at that time, we'll still come in here Saturday morning and run that event. Last year, we had over 300 for that. So, so new day, July 22nd, new location, September 9th. Are you ready for more? Is it too much to handle? Because I could stop. Okay, so the next new thing, as of the 9th of September also, we will meet at a new time. So it's not going to be 10 a.m., it's going to be 10.30 as of September the 9th. And that, that'll even give you more sleep, okay? You shift from the Saturday to the Sunday first, and then you're going to get an even another little half hour there. And this is because the place that we're going to, we're not coincee in the corner where we have to run out at 12 o'clock, you know, so it gives a little bit more breathing room. Those of you who set up gear, you know, you're, you're not going to have to come as early, perhaps, as 7.15, 7.30, uh, so it gives you a bit more time. It's more sustainable long-term, uh, so 10.30 in the morning as of the 9th of September. Are you ready for another one? Just one more. Okay, so you've got a, you've got a new day, you've got a new location, you've got a new time, and we're going to have a new name, a new name as well. So that we're going to launch on the 30th of June this month. You say, why are you changing the name? Well, church planting is not easy. And in, in church planting, you run into obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. And the network that we planted with, City Reach Network, which is based in the U.S., administratively speaking, uh, they never did what they wanted to do in Canada. Uh, we're actually the only church in Canada running that carries that name. Uh, but that's a name that's a 
that's very well known in the U.S. now, and a name that administratively they kind of started the ball rolling to get their network going here in Canada, and then they just left the ball alone, uh, kind of to roll by itself, presumably, and it just did not come to fruition. And so if, if we go further with this name and we administratively get charitable status with the CRA and all of that stuff, we're going to run into, into a hiccup with that name and, you know, there'll be some, some technical stuff that could get us into some trouble. So we're going to change the name. I will launch the name and the logo and the website and all that stuff on the 30th of June. So when I say all things new, it's pretty well all things new. I mean, the only thing we're not changing is me, all right? So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a big, big change in the sense, you know, you've got day, location, time, and name, but this, again, is so that we can reach more people and so that we can be more effective and, uh, and really make a greater impact. I don't, I don't believe we've even scratched the surface uh, of what could be done here, even if you just look at the city of Brossard, okay? So are you cool with that? Okay, all right, okay. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear you're cool with it because here's how it impacts you. Number one, you have to change your schedule. Those of you who maybe you shifted it to Saturday and now you're going to have to shift it back to Sunday. So you're going to have to reorient your brain there and, and your life accordingly. It may be easier. It may be more difficult. Um, those of you who, who you're volunteering, uh, you know, it's going to be a different place, and so there'll be different things to do. It'll look different. It'll feel different, and so you're going to make adjustments there. Uh, those of you who you're not involved in anything and you don't volunteer, it's a good time to want to start to get involved in something and, you know, pick up a towel and serve and do something, anything. I mean, there'll be so many new things to do. Little things, yes, but significant things, you know, like somebody has to stand at the at the area to greet people to greet people. And I won't tell you what that area is yet because you'll figure it out. Um, but, uh, you know, there's all those kinds of things. Um, and also, th those of you who, who give, uh, this is a moment where, you know, you need to realize how impactful your giving is. Because any time, I've told you this before, any time you, you, you think about life, Everything in life has an association with money. Everything. But when you rebrand a church and you move a church and you change a location and you change a day and all that, that costs money. And so uh, there's a pretty significant increase in the rent that's going to happen. Um, you know, we're doing this with wisdom, but also with faith. And so, you know, those of you who you realize, okay, that means there's a bit of sacrifice that's going to happen. Well, you know, you keep on giving, and even if you want to try, hey, let me see if I can bring up my giving a little bit, I'm telling you it's going to be put to a good place uh, because, you know, just to run, the costs of just running the whole operation increase whenever you do something like what we're doing. Um, so that's the, that's the, the whole plan. Uh, again, I'll give you details in the weeks ahead. Don't worry. We keep talking about it but I want you to at least have the broad strokes uh, now. I mean, it's so fresh. 
Even that new name, and I'll tell you the name in 30 days, was just, just, just approved by the province of Quebec because there's a way to do this properly uh, just like two days ago. So, I mean, it's literally just bang, 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 bang. All these things have been coming in this sequence. So I'm so super excited. I mean, I love taking risks. I just love taking risks for God. You know what? I mean, I, I might be so crazy as to put my foot on the water one day. I just love to take risks for God because every time I've taken risks for God, I've seen God come through. People looked at us and laughed at us when we said we would meet Saturday morning. Remember, Jan? I mean, people looked at us and said, you're crazy. I had pastors who looked across the table at me and said, it'll never work. It'll never work on a Saturday morning. You're crazy. Nobody's going to come. They got their birthday parties and their karate practice and all that stuff. Nobody's going to come. And then I run around and tell people, well, not only did people come, but the church has been able to run itself financially for the first 20 months. Uh, but sometimes you also have to say, yeah, but what's the next 20 months going to look like? What are the next 20 years going to look like? So sometimes you have to make decisions to say, hey, we're going to take a risk and we're going to turn the page to reach more people for God. So I trust you'll come with us and you'll follow us in this great adventure. Taking There's nothing like taking risks for God. Oh, oh, oh I just love doing that. So uh, we're going to finish up today and I'll be out in the corridor. I'm sure you have piles of questions. I'm sure some of you are like... <gasps> Oh, this means, you know, so you come and talk to me, okay? I'm very accessible, uh, but we're going to finish our series today on this thing, Misinterpret Our Biggest Bible Blunders, and we talked in the first week about, you know, nine mistakes that we tend to make when we look at the scriptures, and then the next week we talked about Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 2, do not judge! Or you too will be judged. What's that really mean? And last week we talked about plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to give you hope in the future and to prosper you from Jeremiah 29, verse 11. So today uh, we're going to look into another passage of Scripture, but a reminder for those of you who, who want to challenge and you want to get back into the scripture, remember those two websites, put them on the screen if you would, uh, and go to them on your phone or your, your tablet or your, your desktop or whatever. These are the best Bible applications out there. I'm a firm believer in the use of technology to get people back into the Bible, bible.com or slash kids, and it's just incredible, free material. I mean, stuff that you used to have to pay hundreds of dollars for is now accessible at your fingertips anytime, any place in the world. Um, so you could log on to those things and download those apps and start to engage uh, in the Bible. Again, we're going to do today Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. Oh, what a great verse this is. I can do all things through him or through Christ in some translations who strengthens me. Do you know this verse? Oh, I mean, this is, uh, what a power verse this is. What a hot verse this is. I mean, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I mean, wow, I mean, I, could, I, could I jump over buildings in a single bound? You know, could I, maybe I could get that job that I want. Maybe I could get that promotion that I want. I could get that girl that I want. I could get that boy that I want, whatever. You know, I could win that championship. I can score that goal. I can pass that test, even though I haven't studied. You know, I, I can do all things. Put it in the bank, you know. All means all. And what a powerful verse this is. Um, have any of you been watching the, the NBA playoffs? Any basketball fans besides Wainwright? Okay, so 
The NBA uh, finals are now. So that's the, you know, the best basketball players in the world. I don't know if you recognize these shoes. Um, but these shoes belong to one of the, the, the players on the, uh, was it Cavaliers? Cavaliers, yeah. I don't know if you see the bottom of the shoe, but go to the next slide. And uh, that's uh, a Stephen Curry. That's how you pronounce his name? Yeah. So that, that's at the bottom of his shoes. He's got Philippians 4 and verse 13 there. It says, I can do all things. You know, and you see him, he's on uh, your left there. Just left of that golden basketball is, is Stephen Curry. And to the right is, you know, Darth Vader, LeBron James. Sorry, Wainwright. I know you, I know you may like him, but, he, you know, he's kind of Darth Vader to me. Uh, but anyway, so he lost the first game. Right? And if you watch the first game of the NBA, NBA Finals, you know that there was a play that led to overtime. And in the overtime, it's when the, uh, what, the Cavaliers won the game? Who's the other team? The Warriors. The Golden State Warriors beat the Cleveland, Cleveland Cavaliers. Okay. So, but, but they, they won the overtime easily, but there was a play there that there was a mistake that was made by the opposing team. And you see LeBron James with this expression on his face and, and what he's doing, he's saying, why didn't you pass the ball to me or to so-and-so? Because we would have probably scored the basket and there wouldn't have been any overtime in the first place. And we probably would have won the game. It was a shocking moment. And LeBron James, a.k.a. Darth Vader, was very, you know, emphatic and emotional about this blunder that was made. And, and Stephen Curry, who's an outspoken uh, Christian, you know, maybe he thought that it was his shoe that did the job there. You know, I can do all things, right? It says on his shoe. <laughs> so, so maybe he's right, you know, maybe God gave him favor and they won the game. Who knows? Maybe they'll win the championship. I think they won last year, right? Which team won last year? No, they did win. Yeah, it was Curry's team that won last year, I think. So maybe they'll win again this year. Who knows? but I can do all things, right? I can attain it. I can meet that goal. You know, in sports, it's a very, very popular verse. And why not? I mean, it sounds like you can be a superhero. You know, I can score that goal. I can break that record. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But the question is, you know, I always wonder, well, what if someone on the other team has the same verse on their shoe <laughs> or tattooed on their arm or whatever? Well, which one did the all things, right? Which one did God bless? Does he pick sports teams? I'm not sure. Uh, so does it really mean that? Can you leap over buildings with a single bound? Uh, I can do all things, it says, through Christ who strengthens me. So I'm going to use this verse to give you a super simple way to read the Bible. Any passage, any style of literature in the Bible, any verse this way is going to work for you if you're brand new to the Bible or if you, you're an expert. This way will work for you if you put it on the screen. We'll just apply it to what we're learning today and then finish up. So blunder-free. You want to read the Bible? Blunder-free. You do this. And you do it in this order. So observe, interpret, and apply. 
you remember those three words. Take your phone, take a little picture if you want. Observe, interpret, and apply. You do those three things in that order, and you will largely be blunder-free in the way that you read the Bible. You say, well, that doesn't sound so hard. Uh, here's the problem. What we do is we tend to move right to number three. Forget about one and two. Just apply, apply, apply. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's enough. <laughs> Good. And I'm going into that exam with the promise of God in my pocket, right? You young people, you're going into, oh, yes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, maybe Stephen Curry, he's like, oh, yes, we're going to win the championship. I can do all things through Christ. Who That's an immediate application. But it may have ignored the other two steps of observe and interpret. That's a little bit of the work that you do before you get to number three. We usually do number three. Sometimes we'll do two first. Maybe we'll do one, two, and three, but often we just jump to number three. And that can be a big, big blunder, but it's understandable. After all, we want results, right? And we want, we want God's word to work for us and give us results and change our lives. And so apply, apply, apply. But you got to do the first two first. Let me break it down for you, help you understand. So observe. Remember when you were in grade school and, you know, they used to say who, what, where, when, and why? That's observe. So before you want to know what the text means, before you want to know what the passage means, just start asking questions. Don't, don't presuppose anything. Just ask it questions. So who's talking here or who's writing here? Um, what's the situation? Where is it happening? Um, when did it happen? Why did it happen? Ask, ask, ask all these questions of the text, the text that you're reading. In some cases, it'll be really easy, really fast to get those answers. In others, it's going to take a little more work. Well, I don't understand. How come this? How come that? You may have to dig around. As I said, there's so many tools out there for free now. You can even use an app like, like uh, Uversion, which is what I referenced before. And a lot of those observation questions are answered in some of the materials that are available on that app. But ask the Bible questions. Ask the text questions. Can I just tell you, God is not intimidated by your questions. You can ask the Bible anything. You can ask the passage anything. God's not intimidated. He likes it when you ask his word questions. So ask questions. What's going on? So what does it say? I don't care what it means yet. I don't care what it means to me yet. I just want to be sure I know what it says. What does it say? Well, if you do that with Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, and you start looking at the verses, just a little bit of the verses around chapter 4 and verse 13, you see that the, the letter, and you don't need tools for this, you, you see that the letter is written by the Apostle Paul, who you, you run into just by reading the book of Acts. You find out who he is. And you see that he's written this letter to this church, which we also see in the book of Acts, called Philippi. And in chapter 4 of this letter, what he's really talking about here, if you just flip to the next slide, he's talking about a tangible gift or an offering or um, some type of perhaps money or maybe it was food, maybe it was clothing, gifts that he received while he was in prison from this church in Philippi and how he viewed those gifts 
and what his understanding was of the nature of that and how he viewed the people who gave these gifts to him. So if you read just 13 verses there, you'll say, oh, okay, that's what's going on. He's talking about the, this, these gifts that he's received from these people and how he's reacting to them and what his perception is of whether he needs them or whether he doesn't, whether what his perception is between him and God, between him and these people. And that's the overall what's going on, what does it say. So it's in that context that he writes this wonderful passage, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So you're just asking questions, and those are some of the answers that you get when you read the, the context. And the next thing that you're going to do with that is you're going to say, okay, what now does it mean? And that's interpret. So first you observe, and then you interpret, and you say, okay, what I know what it says. Now what does it mean? If it's God's word for me, then it's going to mean something for me as well. But what is the meaning of this thing that the Apostle Paul wrote? And a rule of thumb for you use. You've got to figure out what it meant to them before you figure out what it means to you. Because you're not the original recipients of the Bible. Just don't want, don't want to rain on your parade. But the Bible wasn't written in the 21st century you know, in the English language to people who live in the 21st century. It's written, you know, two millennia ago it's completed, and it's written to people, sure, but people in a different time, in a different culture, in a different age, in a different geographical location. So they're people just like us, so it's going to mean the same thing to us, but we have to go back in time sometimes and say, okay, what did it mean to them? Once I figure out what it meant to them, I now can figure out what it means to me. For example, you know, you take a passage uh, in, in Corinthians where it seems to say that the Apostle Paul is saying that women have to come to church with their heads covered. Do you know that, you know that passage? Have you ever read it? They have to cover their heads when they come to church. Oh, and by the way, they ought to keep their mouths closed. You say, excuse me, like uh, this is a very offensive passage, Mr. Paul. Uh, I don't think I really like this passage. Well, that's because maybe you haven't done some of the groundwork of, okay, first of all, what's going on there? And second of all, what did it mean to those people in that setting? Ah, then maybe I can figure out what it means to me. Now, in the case of Philippians 4 and verse 13, it's not as complicated, and you can, you can figure it out rather quickly. So if you'll go to the next slide there, when we look at this promise, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay, well, what does that really mean? Well, when you start looking at the passage itself, you see there's a number of phrases in there before he gets to the all things, right? So verse 10 I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been given, uh, indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. And what he's doing there is he's saying, aha, your gift has now arrived to me. You have renewed your concern for me. And verse 11, I am not saying this because I am in need. In other words, even if you didn't give me the gift, I could still make it. 
he's implying. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, to be content whatever the circumstances. Oh, interesting. I know what it is to be in need, and that would be physical need. That would be maybe he's hungry, maybe he needs clothes, maybe he needs finances. I mean, he's writing this from prison. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. So in other words, I've traveled both ends of the spectrum, poverty and riches, to be in need and to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content, content in any and every situation. Well, what situation? Whether well-fed, there it is again, or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. So he, he keeps repeating the same thing over and over again. I know what it's like to be poor. I know what it's like to be rich. I know what it is to have. I know what it is to not have. I know what it is to go to bed hungry. I know what it is to go to bed with a feast. I've learned the secret of being content, whatever the circumstances. So Philippians, even if your gift didn't come to me, I could still make it. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Oh, yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. So he's not unthankful for the gift, and he'll go on, and he'll keep talking about it, and he'll commend them for the gift. But what he's doing is he's saying, I know both extremes, and I can make it in Christ whether I've got or whether I don't have whether I have the sustenance or whether I don't, whether I'm in this prison cell or whether I'm in a palace, I have learned the secret of being content. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So the all things are things related to the overall subject, right? Whether he has riches or he has poverty, doesn't matter. He can handle it because of Christ who gives him strength. This is the way to interpret this passage. This is what it would have meant to them. And these first century readers, they would have been like, wow, we need to learn your secret because they're probably a little more on the poor side, right? You know, first century Roman Empire, uh, he's writing to a church there, not well liked by the Roman Empire. So probably more on the poor side. So they probably want to know that secret. How, how'd you learn to be content in every circumstance? Well, how can you do all things through Christ who strengthens you when you have no money and you have no food and you have no clothing and you're in prison to boot and you're writing us this letter? Now, they would have been quite interested. They would have interpreted it this way. Yeah, give me some of that because I know what that's like, right? And so he's, he's, he's visiting those extremes in this whole statement of all things, and that's a good way to interpret it. So you say, well, what's that mean to me? I'm not in a prison cell. I'm not in the first century. What does it mean to me? And that's to apply it. So the meaning does not change, but the application will vary. The wrapping paper will vary, but the meaning of the thing is not going to change. And uh, here's, here's an example. There's an individual in this room um, who has journeyed this verse. Um, and, and he's here today, and he has been through a situation with his employer. And he, I'm sure, be glad to talk to you about it afterwards. With his employer, where his employer, the federal government, just letting you know, 
uh, robbed him and tens of thousands of other federally employed workers of salary for many, many months on end, some of them still being robbed by this technicality and error in a pay system called Phoenix. Uh, this has been in the news recently, just in the last few days. There's been reports about this, and there's going to be some accountability now for sure because people have, I mean, lost their, their livelihood. People have gone into depression. People have, have gone into bankruptcy. People's credit ratings are shot. Um, there, it is an enormous mess. There have been people who have been overpaid by this thing, and they're in so much uh, uh, of, a, of a quagmire with Revenue Canada who wants their money. You know, well, I'm only supposed to be making twenty thousand, but you paid me two hundred thousand. Oh, so I have to pay taxes on that. Uh, so I'm supposed to be making fifty thousand, but you paid me ten. So how am I supposed to live? Right? This is. This is a direct application of this passage. And I thank God uh, for, for this, this man who's, who's here today. And he has lived this verse. Like he has held his head up high through all of this mess. And he's seen some of that money come back. But we need to, we need to pray for more to come back. He's, li he's lived through the mess. You're here. Yeah, I'll, I'll point you out, Lewis. And he has lived this verse. He knows what it is to be in need, knows what it is to have plenty. Yeah, I used to have a paycheck, but I don't got no paycheck for a while, or it's real, real low. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That is a wonderful application of the verse. So maybe you're like, you're, you're somewhere on either extreme. You know, when you have riches, you need, you need strength to handle those riches, you know, LeBron James and Stephen Curry, these guys, millions and millions of dollars. Well, he, better, he better depend on Christ for how to use those millions and millions of dollars because one day those millions of dollars may go bye-bye, right? He may be on the other side of the spectrum one day. You need strength in each situation wherever you are on that spectrum. Maybe you're at the, you're at the place you say, I lost my job or I'm looking for work. I've been looking forever. The business is failing this problem, this problem, it's like there's, there's, there's want in my life, there's need in my life, and I need the strength of Christ to make it through. You should talk to Lewis. Maybe he'll give you some of what he learned uh, in that whole experience and probably still learning. Uh, but that's the way that you would apply the verse to your life, whether you're in want or whether you're in plenty. So the conclusion of it is contentment when you're in need or in plenty, rather than attainment of absolutely any goal. Folks, it's not a rabbit's foot that you tattoo on your arm or you put on your shoe or you hang in your car, and now you can jump over buildings like Superman because Jesus said he'll give you strength to do it. That's not what it is. It's a lot more in the real life of, hey, I'm in need. How do I make it through? Or... Now I have plenty, and how do I make it through that? That's the all things. So learn to be content rather than trying to use the verse to attain something. Not everyone can be. 
the President of the United States, or sorry, the Prime Minister of Canada. <laughs> Maybe nobody wants to be the President of the United States now, but not, not everyone can, okay? You can't use the verse to do that. You know, not everyone can break the record, but you can learn to be content whether you have or whether you have not. So bottom line, you know, of the whole series, and if the band could, could come back, we'll do that first song just one more time, okay? And just sing it one time through, guys. The words are, you know, uh, perfect for, for the conclusion here. Just because it can be interpreted a certain way, it doesn't mean it should be. So you remember your three ways of reading, right? What does it say? What does it mean? And what does it mean to me? Would you